0: Hey, it's Daniel, and I am so delighted to be joined by Michelle today.
1: I have a joke for you. Why was the chicken so awesome? Why? Because. (laughs) Wow. I saw it on TikTok, and I laughed way too hard at that joke.
0: That was disgusting, and this is good chat.
1: (laughs) This is good chat.
0: (laughs) So, Michelle, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling very opinionated and unpopular.
0: Yes, Michelle, I definitely agree with the latter.
1: How are you, Daniel? How are you doing?
0: I'm good, Michelle. I can't complain. I've just been doing a whole lot of nothing. I watched a movie last night. Oh, what movie? I watched The Blair Witch Project, the original one from 1999. Have you seen it? No, I have not. Oh, I randomly remembered it yesterday and then I remembered the original campaign for the movie, which was basically marketed like it was a true story. There were actual missing person posters put up for these people that were in the Blair Witch Project, which of course were actually actors. There was a website you could go onto as well where you could find out more information about what had happened and information about the people and also the photos of the tapes that were found by the police. And back then it was very clever and it worked and And I think the majority of people thought that it was real up until they found out that it wasn't real. And obviously the actors weren't doing TV appearances and interviews and that kind of thing because they were supposedly dead. And on their internet movie database pages, it said that they were missing presumed to be dead. And I just don't think that in today's age that that would actually work.
1: It's interesting because I tend to be sceptical with these kind of things. Yeah. You could probably get away with that kind of deception back then because people didn't think to Google answers to these kind of, is this fake? Is this real? And it sounds like it was pretty successful at making this believable.
0: Well, yes, we had the internet, but we didn't have social media and that kind of thing back then, which would make it a lot easier to find more information about these people today. I mean, watching it now, obviously I knew it wasn't real, but I remember it was scary because it was marketed as found footage. So you were watching this thing that you thought was real and also you never actually got to see the Blair Witch. So it made it scarier because what you can't see is much more scarier than seeing bad CGI. And everyone would probably have their own interpretation of it as well.
1: You know, it's an interesting contradiction of our time that it would be both easier to fool people on the internet, but also harder. Yeah. There's so much misinformation out there but there's also explanations out there
0: the truth they would say michelle is out there it's
1: just one google search away
0: well speaking of michelle as you mentioned earlier you are quite unpopular and you have opinions
1: and i have unpopular opinions
0: so that's what we're going to be discussing today
1: Yeah. So a bit more preparation into this episode. We went through the unpopular opinions subreddit, picked out some things we thought might be fun to discuss. Looking through it, I feel like a lot of the so-called unpopular opinions seem quite reasonable to me, but we'll get into it.
0: Let's do just that, Michelle.
1: So I believe we have a list.
0: This is actually something that we mildly discussed the other day and thought it would be a good idea to save it for the podcast. So milk isn't an opinion in itself, but I have opinions about milk.
1: Are we talking about the film or the liquid?
0: I'm talking about the thing that was running down your chin when you were having a cereal, Michelle.
1: Oh my gosh, I swore to never speak of this publicly.
0: Are you human? No. <laughs> okay, how do you have your milk in your cereal?
1: I pour it in. <laughs> You mean how much do I put in?
0: Yeah, what's the ratio?
1: I I probably by other people's standards put a lot in. I would say that I keep pouring until everything is submerged or mostly submerged.
0: Is it floating, Michelle?
1: I mean, how big are your bowls? How much cereal are you putting in?
0: Can you swim in it, Michelle?
1: Do you need a straw to reach the bottom? Exactly. No, I would say, I mean, I just have little bowls and I try and fill it as much with cereal. And then I fill the milk right up as high as it will go before it starts to be a spill risk.
0: See, that to me is too much milk. Mm. I like to put just enough milk to make the cereal soggy, but I don't want to be eating soup, Michelle.
1: See, this is the thing that confuses me because I feel like you need quite a lot of milk to make sure that every piece of cereal gets wet. This is such a riveting conversation. (laughs) So like, do you have to mix it around or what? Because I don't like to stir it so that everything gets a bit of milk on (laughs) it. (laughs) That's <laughs> so weird. But
0: for me, it's a whole process. So I will pour bit by bit and let the cereal absorb the milk. And I keep adding just a bit more until it's enough. And if I have to, I definitely do stir it to get the milk and the cereal to marry each other, Michelle.
1: Marry the night. Indeed. This is probably where we differ because I don't want to put too much work into my cereal preparation process. Yep. When I'm pouring the milk in, I don't want to have to worry about making sure everything gets a little bit of spice on it, having to maneuver the carton in a way that it drips on every piece. And I also don't want to have to stir it all. I just want a quick way to make everything soak. (laughs) Sure. And the best way to do it is just to put a whole lot of milk in. And then I get to drink the milk when I'm finished.
0: I definitely would not be drinking it.
1: Let's talk through this. You don't like to drink milk. Who hurt you?
0: Who hurt me? I was never one to drink milk out of a glass either. Is that something that you do?
1: Oh, yeah. I love it.
0: I mean, as a kid, I'd have my Nesquik and occasionally Milo.
1: Oh, Nesquik. Love Nesquik.
0: I can't just drink milk out of a glass. I just don't understand it.
1: See, yeah, I don't mind it, but I feel like really the only milk that's enjoyable to drink is full cream dairy milk. And lately I've been trying to move away from that. So I'm happy to use soya oat milk in my tea, in my cereal. Yeah. Drinking that on its own is a bit, mm, I don't enjoy that as much.
0: I definitely wouldn't drink that on its own either. So talking about milk and cereal first thing in the morning, let's just rewind for a second a bit earlier in the day. So making your bed every day is a waste of time. What do we think about that?
1: Is that the first one we got off Reddit?
0: Yes, Michelle.
1: Yes, I agree. I only make my bed when I have company coming over.
0: Which is probably never. Not
1: at the moment, no. My mother raised me in a very specific way. She would make the bed, she'd put on the sheet, she'd put on the blanket on top, she'd put on the doona on top of that. Yeah, It's a very elaborate process. These days, I tend to just sleep with one blanket and that's it.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say for me, it's not too involved. I usually just have a quilt on top. And if it's in summer, I usually just have a sheet. So making the bed is just basically covering the bed with whatever's on top of it. I tend to do it first thing in the morning, but it's just down to personal preference. It really doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I actually think that they say it's good hygienic practice because if you make the bed, then everything festers ill. But oh that's a scientific question.
0: So you're supposed to air it out?
1: Yeah, but definitely I feel like a nice thick blanket in winter is enough yeah a thin sheet in summer is more than enough as well and sometimes even nothing except clothes ill
0: (laughs) because michelle we are (laughs) modest on this podcast
1: we are modest not ill to anyone that doesn't sleep with pajamas just ill to me sure i'm always clothed even in the shower (laughs) (laughs) wow okay well glad to hear we're in agreement on this yes this unpopular opinion i deem it
0: correct approved now let's file that away So speaking of Michelle, this is just another one that I had thought of. You should be able to laugh at your own jokes. It's seen as a negative thing when people laugh at their own jokes or that it's lame for someone to do that. But if it's funny, why shouldn't you laugh at it?
1: Oh, look, I do this a lot and I don't think it's because I think I'm funny. I do it because I can't handle the devastating situation where I say something lighthearted and people think I'm being serious. So me laughing is kind of a way for me to indicate this was just a joke. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Is it kind of like the laugh track in Friends where it indicates this should be funny. You should be laughing at this.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure they said that that's actually the purpose of it. The purpose of the laugh track is to invite the audience to also laugh along with it. So you might have an audience that's more likely to laugh because they're joining in with the laughter of others.
0: Fair enough. Pack mentality.
1: Psychology. I'm not a psychologist, but. Sure. Yeah, I definitely think it's something that I do probably out of insecurity, not because I think I'm funny is what I'm basically saying.
0: There's absolutely nothing wrong with laughing at your own jokes and more people should laugh at their own jokes as long as they're not crap. Because.
1: <laughs> that wasn't my joke, so I can't laugh.
0: Michelle, please.
1: <laughs> when you make a joke and no one laughs, I would say that that is probably worse than when you go to try and high five someone and they don't high five you back. They're both pretty awkward social situations to find yourself in, and I hope that no one ever has to go through that.
0: I have experienced that many a times And yeah, it's not fun Especially when you think, come on, that was clever
1: Have you ever had the high five thing happen too?
0: No, because I don't high five people
1: Yeah, I don't really either But I have had the handshake when you try and handshake someone But I guess it's more subtle Like a high five is like you're really putting yourself out there
0: I guess so. But I also don't generally shake people's hands, but only in certain situations, for example, in a job interview where you're taught that that's what you should do. So in the very, very early days when the pandemic was still in its baby stages, I went to a job interview and I walked in, I went to shake the panel members' hands and one of the panel members recoiled and said, no shaking hands.
1: Yeah. I remember you told me that story, but that was more early on in the pandemic.
0: It wasn't normalized yet that you shouldn't be doing those things.
1: Yeah, because it was like that weird phase where people were like, well, if I don't do it, will I be perceived as rude? Because some people just soul on, and they keep shaking hands. Yeah. These days, it's pretty taboo. Oh, yeah. I should have known better because I did this too. It's for the job that I have now. Thankfully, it didn't work against me too much. Shout out. <laughs> but I should have known better because it was obviously not that long ago was where these norms were well or truly established and I still went to do it. I like to think I wasn't the only one to make that mistake that day.
0: Anyway, Michelle, we digress. So I'm just going to put this out there. There should be no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Agreed. I agree with that too, Michelle, but having said that, I still feel like it is still a guilty pleasure though, as much as I don't want it to be.
1: Yeah, I never, I feel like sometimes it seems popular just to bash on something. Yeah, And so admitting that you actually like the thing that people are bashing on, like Twilight. Yeah, I like Twilight and I'm not ashamed of it.
0: It's not socially acceptable to not be ashamed of it or for it to be normal.
1: Yeah. And I also, I mean, shows like The Vampire Diaries as well or Gossip Girl. Sometimes you say you watch these shows and people who haven't even seen it will make a judgment about it and be like, oh, I guess that's your guilty pleasure. It's like, no, it's awesome. What are you talking about?
0: Do you know, as you were saying that, when you said the words, The Vampire Diaries, I haven't seen that. And immediately I was judging you. I was thinking that's one of those shows it's aimed towards young teens. And here you are enjoying this show. I'm guilty of making your pleasure guilty.
1: And this is another point is that why is something that's targeted towards maybe young adults or teenage female audiences considered a guilty pleasure?
0: everyone should be able to enjoy it
1: yeah so in short guilty pleasures not a thing unless your guilty pleasure is a crime in which case get help
0: guilty pleasures are canceled next All right. So this is one that I have experienced a few times. You don't have to turn your hobby into a side hustle. You don't have to profit off something you enjoy doing. You don't have to make money from it. So when you do something, usually creating things, whether it's any kind of art, you're always told you should put that on Etsy. You should sell that. You should make money from that. And then you feel like I need to be making money from it. Now there's this expectation and I've never liked that. Don't get me wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong with selling things that you create, but I just don't think people should be made to feel like that's what they need to be doing.
1: Yeah, I have. Because when I told people that I was writing a screenplay, right? Yeah, a lot of people were like, well, you should send it off. You should send it to production companies. I'm like, you're assuming that it's good. <laughs> it's, I just did this for fun.
0: The problem here is that they have faith in you, Michelle.
1: I think there's some creative projects that could be more geared towards having some sort of commercial value. But then there's other creative projects that you undertake where this is quite obviously just for fun. Like you can't profit from this.
0: Yeah. And having said all that, I don't necessarily think that people saying these things have bad intentions anyway.
1: Yeah. I think they just want to be nice, which is fine.
0: Sure. Just don't be a pusher. A drug pusher? Probably. All right. This is something I have a strong opinion on. Diamond rings are dumb.
1: Yes, I have a lot of feelings on this topic. Look, I'm not going to pretend like I know all the injustices as a result of mining these little rocks, but I know vaguely that it's generally not a good industry. And so my instinct is to steer clear, but also I just can't justify the price, especially with the engagement rings, right? Yeah. There's all these rules around how much it needs to be and it needs to be a real diamond and it needs to be this quality. That's stupid. If it looks nice, that's fine.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I do have a problem with the cost of the rings as well. So you mentioned the rules. People are, for whatever reason, expected to spend three months worth of their salary on an engagement ring. I've never agreed with that. I've never agreed with having to spend X amount of dollars on a ring. Who cares how much it costs? It really doesn't matter. I would rather that money go towards things that are actually important, like buying more records. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, how'd I know you were going to say that? The thing with me is having a $20,000 ring on my finger, I would 100% lose that and I don't need that stress.
0: I actually have heard of people who do have valuable rings, so they have a second ring that's fake and they wear that so that they don't lose or damage that, which is just a big, big waste of money. Yeah. In all seriousness though, I'd be happy with an onion ring.
1: Wow, well, both fashionable and tasty.
0: Well, like Sylvia Fine from The Nanny once said, passion goes, sex goes, communication we never had, but food is forever.
1: And if anyone has an expensive engagement ring and is offended by anything we've said, check yourself.
0: <laughs> Before you wreck yourself. If people want to spend exuberant amounts of money on a ring, go ahead. Obviously, you can do what you want. That's just my preference. All right. So another one off Reddit is stop normalizing children and grandchildren to visit their parents and grandparents as a duty.
1: I guess personally for me, when my grandparents were alive, I didn't mind visiting them that much. And I definitely don't feel like we had to do it too often.
0: Were you younger then?
1: Yeah. By the time I was an adult, they were no longer around. So I don't really know what it's like having to fulfill a certain, I of obligation, it's the right word, to visit my grandparents. Yeah. But definitely have that with my mom. I try and meet my mom weekly, but I do that because I want to.
0: I think it just comes down to individual situations and circumstances. You're not going to say to someone you should be visiting your grandparents when maybe they don't have such a great relationship or maybe there's a history there. You shouldn't really put that expectation on someone. Whatever kind of relationship you have with your family is the relationship you have with your family and just do as you see fit, I think.
1: Yeah, I definitely think grandparents, they definitely want to see you and they, and so I think it's a nice thing to do, but if your grandparents or your family is not super accepting or a bit toxic, I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, yes, this family member causes me pain, so I'm not going to visit them.
0: I mean, obviously what we're saying here is don't visit anyone ever in general because food is forever.
1: Oh, I like this sound of that. Sure. Oh, i got a good segue. This wasn't on Reddit, but do you like to be alone? We've got some experience with this being in isolation. Do you have any issues going days without talking to another human being?
0: Talking in real life to someone?
1: In this scenario, no texting, no talking, no seeing another human being, just being in your house.
0: I don't have a problem with being alone and being alone in your house. I think I would still want to have some sort of communication, even just a text conversation with someone. I would have to.
1: I mean, I kind of understand people feeling isolated after weeks and weeks of isolation. So I'm not really talking about that more. Just some people really can't stand the idea of staying home, even just for a whole week and not doing anything. And I think it comes down to that, whether someone's an introvert, extrovert.
0: Doesn't matter. I definitely enjoy being alone. I do need my alone time. I do need my downtime. I think being around people a lot is draining.
1: Yeah, me too. It baffles me when people really can't handle it, but they, I probably in response baffle them when I can just go so long with being antisocial and not having any problems with it. Yeah. I remember when I was young, my parents would go and visit, I mean, this is also kind of cool because you're, you're young and you get the house to yourself, but my parents would always go to visit my sister when she was studying university several hours away. And I would get the whole house to myself. And normally people would be like, why do you have people over? Why would you not have a party or something? Because I was in high school at the time. And that's apparently what kids did. I don't know.
0: Not familiar. I was
1: like, "Ew, no, this is my alone time. Why would I ruin that? This is going to be the best week of my life.
0: I get that. Because there were many times as a child where my parents would go down the pub and we wouldn't see them for days, sometimes weeks. No, that definitely did not happen ever. <laughs>
1: oh my God. I thought he were be real. I was no. Like, well, <laughs>
0: Sorry. No, no, no. In all seriousness, though, I do agree. As much as I do like the downtime and and being alone, I still think that I would need to be having some kind of conversations with someone at some point, like I said, even through text.
1: So to all the social butterflies out there, you do you, but don't judge me.
0: Okay. So this next one, I don't think is intended to throw shade towards Shakira, but being bilingual is not impressive.
1: Do you agree with that?
0: No, I think it's impressive.
1: I'm totally impressed by people who are bilingual. I wish I was bilingual.
0: I think it's impressive because at least for myself as an adult, I think it is hard to learn another language or at least I'm not bothered to put in the time and the effort to learn another language.
1: I have tried to learn another language and it's hard. It's it's hard if you're not being exposed to it regularly. Yeah. So kind of learning it in your house, watching YouTube videos, it's going to be a bit difficult to stick.
0: Yeah. I do have the Duolingo app and I have tried to relearn French because I learned it in primary school in year five and six and then when I went to high school in year seven happened to be learning French again and I came first in the class because I had that prior experience and because I also like to eat croissants. Uh-huh. I guess as well, everyone has different ways of learning. So for me, I don't find that to be quite effective. I think I would need lessons in real life.
1: I also feel like learning an instrument is really impressive as well. I feel like it must be easier for kids if you get them in early. (laughs) Learning an instrument in another language is easier.
0: Exactly. I 100% agree. But speaking of being problematic, the next one is that misrepresentation does not matter. I mean, I'm just going to say, I think it definitely matters.
1: I think there's a whole body of research that says it matters. Yeah. So that's closed...
0: All right. So case closed, nothing else to discuss there.
1: I would just say to the people who are skeptical about this, it's very rare for a business or a a multinational company to do things just for the sake of being woke. There's usually some sort of other motivation behind it. Most of the time, what motivates these people is profit. And So if companies are having mixed gender, having diverse boards, it's usually because it somehow helps in that pursuit.
0: And this is exactly why you majored in philosophy.
1: It's not all I majored in.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. So cooking is overrated. Yeah. I do agree with that too. I think that MasterChef takes credit for getting people into cooking at home, even children getting into cooking, making dinner for their parents, because, you know, why else would you have children, right? (laughs) I've never enjoyed cooking. I've never been interested in cooking. I try and do the bare minimum where I need to. Michelle, I don't know what's happening to me and I'm really worried, but I'm starting to actually be interested in maybe trying different recipes.
1: Yeah. My only interest in cooking has been as a practical thing. Some people get very into it like, oh, I want to try something new, a new challenge. Mm. And I personally do not have that approach.
0: (laughs) I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with that either though. So
1: definitely if you want to develop the skill, Daniel, I would encourage you to pursue it. I support you.
0: I don't know that I will, but I'm definitely not one of those people that will put random things together to create a new recipe or to experiment in that way because I'm not very well-versed in what goes great together or know necessarily what kind of things need to go in a certain type of dish. I'm definitely not going to be doing that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not either. (laughs) You know, I could not handle the disappointment of spending an hour in the kitchen experimenting and then the end product I eat in 10 minutes and it's not as good as I thought it was going to be,
0: or even it's so horrible that you don't eat it at all. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? I don't want to be dealing with that either.
1: I don't know if it's necessarily overrated. I don't feel like cooking is really forced on me that much. I feel uh, I don't know if the expectation is there as it once was that you need to be a really good cook. Yeah, at least not with me. But maybe that's <laughs> because people don't try and get me into it because I shut it down immediately. I'm like, look, I have no skill in this space.
0: And you are a pretty horrible cook too.
1: Thank you. Just as long as I can keep myself fed. That's really all that's important to me.
0: I've never tried your cooking, Michelle, but I probably definitely wouldn't want you to cook for me anyway with that attitude. Then we are in agreement. I'm glad we agree. Speaking of cooking, are birthdays overrated?
1: I think so, because they are one in the same. No, I think they are. I think they're important when you're young because kids need that stuff. Yeah. They don't have much else going on. You know what I mean? Sure. But as an adult, I know that personally for me, I don't want to be reminded of the aging process. What
0: aging, Michelle?
1: (laughs) Thank you. You say the sweetest things.
0: Only because you pay me. (laughs) I think that there is that whole argument though that why are you making such a big deal of this thing that it happens to everyone and you don't have to do anything for it to happen either. It's just a thing that happens every single year. I don't know. Personally, I don't make a huge deal about birthdays, but I definitely do think that, for example, gift buying and giving gifts, I think definitely more thought should be going behind that when it's someone's birthday versus Christmas, Easter. Those events, I don't think there should be so much weight put behind a gift. I think it matters more where it's someone's birthday because I think that has a bit more meaning to it. I really struggle with gift giving. It's because you're a terrible person, Michelle.
1: Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just so selfish and narcissistic. Who knows? But I really just can't ever decide on a decent gift for anyone. So many people buy the things they want. So it's difficult for me. Yeah. Now there's this pressure where you got to preempt to really buy a thoughtful gift for someone. You have to preempt their needs or their wants, buy them the thing that they don't really know that they want.
0: Okay. I know I just said that more thought should be put behind gift giving for birthdays. I don't necessarily mean it in that way though. Like there shouldn't be that pressure that you must give this amazing gift or something that means that you preempt what they need. I guess what I'm trying to say is before, like Easter and that kind of thing. I don't think it should be required.
1: I feel the pressure though. I yeah. definitely feel the pressure and it crushes me. The burden is too much. <laughs> Every time a birthday is coming up, I agonize over what to get. Yeah, And usually what I end up doing is not buying anything. I just say, I'll take you out. What I used to do for my mom was I would have this ritual when I was young and didn't have money. Every time it was her birthday, usually I'd be at home while she was at work. Yeah, I would do a full clean of the house, make it look absolutely immaculate. And she'd come home to a nice clean house. And I think that that was, you know, in a way, the best gift of all.
0: Really? Because I think you should be doing that anyway, Michelle. Again, what is the the point of people having children if they're not going to clean for you.
1: All right. All right. Look, there was cleaning. And then there was what I did, which was cleaning. Wow, okay I would say No one would have Ever cleaned the house As thoroughly as I did Except on those days
0: Okay, calm down There's no need To get aggressive, Michelle
1: I'm overwhelmed
0: (laughs) Fair enough No, I think that's A nice thing to do though
1: But obviously I can't do that now Unless I break Into my mum's house And to a degree It used to annoy her Because I'd put things away And then she'd be like Where'd you put it? And I was like Well, I reorganized Your blah, blah And she'd be like Well, why'd you do that? I like the fact That it was left On the coffee table And was like Well, if it's left On the coffee table, mum The place doesn't look immaculate anyway i think i bring up my mother every single episode
0: so let's move
1: on but this is all about gift giving birthdays in general are they overrated i would say i think they lose importance over time
0: that's fair all right so birthdays birthday cakes simple cakes are better than fancy schmancy cakes I agree with that because I do think that okay yes that whole trend of fondant cakes and all the super creative things that people do yes they can look better but I think just a simple traditional kind of cake tastes better. I don't like eating those cakes with the fondant on them because it's just it's not icing. I
1: hear but speaking of unpopular opinions yeah I don't really like cake. I think it's all not that. If I was ever hungry or I wanted a snack to eat or something that was really just indulging, yeah, I don't think I would ever turn to cake.
0: I'm the same. I don't crave cake. I only usually have cake in that kind of a setting where it's a birthday or an event like that. I'd never just think I want cake I'm not big on ice cream either.
1: Yeah, no, neither am I. I never seek out ice cream either. Maybe it's because I have sensitive teeth, Daniel.
0: Oh, sensitive little soul.
1: Every time I would go out with friends for something and they want to get dessert afterwards, they would always want to go to the gelato place, the ice cream place. And it's
0: never something I would choose. So you're not much of a dessert person in general?
1: No, not really. And usually when I go, I get a hot chocolate. Fair enough. Usually to me, dinner is the last meal of the day. I feel that that's been the case for the longest time.
0: Okay, so speaking of dessert, dinner, food, unpopular opinion, not making a decision is okay. I definitely think that that's okay. When we're talking about things like making a decision of where you should have dinner or what food you should get, it can really frustrate people when you say, I'm easy. It really doesn't matter. Happy for you to choose wherever. It's fine. I think that it's okay. What I don't think is okay is say, for example, two people are trying to decide on what to have for dinner. And one says, choose whatever you like. I'm happy with anything. All right. So then the decision is made. And then this person now changes their tune and has an attitude about what was chosen. That's when it's a problem. That's fair enough. But otherwise, I don't think it should be a problem.
1: I am a hundred percent guilty of doing both of those things. So I'm terribly sorry.
0: You are forgiven. I
1: mean, sometimes you don't really know what you want until it's offered to you.
0: So what you're saying is you are known to let someone else choose something, but then you're not happy with that decision.
1: Yeah. I would say, oh, you know, you can choose and then they're like, well, I want this. I'm like, oh, until that option is presented to me, I'm like, oh, now I realize that's not what I want.
0: I can understand that.
1: Another thing I do is I sometimes I'll give the person options. So I'll be like, well, do you want this or this option A or option B? And then I'll be like option A. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this before, but now that you've said it, I really wanted the other option.
0: So in that kind of situation, what would you do?
1: Normally, most situations, I'd probably just go ahead with it. I'd just be agreeable, you know, but with my boyfriend, I would just feel like, you know, if you can't handle me at my best, you don't deserve me at my worst.
0: Unpopular opinion. Marilyn Monroe probably never said that. Is that true? Actually, it might be a popular opinion, but those Marilyn Monroe quotes, apparently she never said a lot of them. I'm sorry to tell you that Santa Claus is not real or unpopular opinion. Santa Claus is real. Who knows, Michelle? (laughs) I've just gone off on a wild tangent. And to continue going further, Rebecca Black Friday is not the worst song ever.
1: I agree with the unpopular opinion. Yeah. Because I love the song. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's a work of creative genius, but it's pretty catchy. And for the longest time... It was stuck in everyone's head. And I remember people making jokes about it Friday and start singing it on Fridays. It obviously wormed its way into people's brains.
0: You've just given me a beautiful image there.
1: You're welcome. But I would say a bad song is the kind of song that leaves no impact.
0: I think at the time, especially, it was cool to hate on it. The way that it actually panned out may not have been intended, but it was an important moment in pop culture and you can't deny that.
1: You know, it's had its 10 year anniversary recently, I think. Does that make you feel old?
0: What is age? Did she re-release the song?
1: She did. And she had collaborators on it too.
0: I'll have to look it up. I'm not too familiar with what she's up to now, but I do understand she does still make music.
1: Yeah, and that's pretty good. She's done all right for herself, but definitely horrible what happened to her at the time. Yeah,
0: definitely horrible, but good for her. I
1: hope she's getting that clean.
0: Long live Rebecca Black. Yeah. All right, so this one might be more controversial. Oh,
1: well, Daniel, aren't all of these controversial?
0: Your face is controversial.
1: I'm not there, so you don't know that. True. You don't know. <laughs>
0: we'll never know. But that's okay. Speaking of, the unpopular opinion is that open relationships should be the norm. Now, I'm just going to right off the bat say, I don't agree with that. I don't think that they should be the norm. Everyone should do what they agree to do and are happy to do.
1: Yeah. I think the premise of the, not the question, but the opinion, I guess, is that monogamy is not a natural state for human beings. Okay. Which I don't know if that's true, but I would say that in many cases, open relationships require, because relationships in general, right, there's work you need to put into them, long-term relationships anyway, there's work you need to put into them. You need to invest time and energy into the relationship to keep it healthy, blah, 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 blah. And this is now a relationship advice podcast.
0: (laughs) All right, Dr. Michelle.
1: I know, right? But with open relationships, I think then you bring in this whole other area that you need to negotiate, bring in rules, have constant communication about. And I just don't know if that's something that many people are up for.
0: I mean, I don't want to take the conversation in a whole different direction, but when people say, well, what is considered cheating? Again, it's something that would be outside of what's agreed or communicated Mm. within a relationship. Yeah. It is definitely something that would require communication for people to be on the same page with. I'm
1: not saying that it's impossible or too difficult. I'm just saying it takes a certain kind of relationship, maybe a certain kind of person to be able to make that work out. But the opinion is it should be the norm, right? Yeah. I don't think I'll ever see a situation where everyone's having open relationships like it's normal. No. I just don't think, I think people are just too insecure. I know I'm too insecure for that. I wouldn't want that.
0: Yeah, it's not for me. Society
1: teaches us to hate ourselves.
0: <laughs> sure. So this next unpopular opinion may contradict the previous, but prenups undermine the commitment of marriage. What are your thoughts? Mm,
1: this is like a whole marriage is a sacred institute kind of thing. Sure. Look, I would just say I disagree. Well, I don't know. I guess it's kind of how you, you view marriage because some people say it's supposed to be a lifetime commitment, but look, let's be real. Most marriages are not for life. Yeah. Well, at least
0: a lot of them. Just for the weekend. Just for the weekend. <laughs>
1: I would say that in certain circumstances, they're valid.
0: Yeah, I can understand it's not something that people would enjoy discussing or doing and there may be that feeling of I don't want to be thinking about those things. But the bottom line I think is it makes sense and not all marriages will last forever.
1: Yeah, because on one hand, yeah, it might be like, Well, why are you making me sign this if this is forever? But on yeah. the other hand, signing one shows that you are marrying this person because you want to, not because of any other reason. Yeah, I agree. And I think in certain circumstances is it's smart to protect yourself and your assets. I definitely feel like people should have their own assets.
0: Well, I'm a big believer in if this wasn't yours to begin with, then why should it be yours now? But I guess there are so many variables when it comes to that as well. But in general, I think that makes sense.
1: You'd also want a fair prenup to take into account if there's children, caregivers. So obviously people who don't work to look after children are owed certain things Mm. as well. That can be all covered. How do you negotiate that retrospectively? If there was never a conversation that was had previously...
0: I agree. I was talking in more basic terms, say this was your couch. This is still going to be your couch. I'm not going to now try and take ownership of this couch. But yeah, there are definitely going to be different situations and circumstances and variables where that would have to be negotiated.
1: Yeah. And then this kind of steers into the whole fairness of family court and stuff. So let's change the topic. <laughs>
0: let's do it. So this next one is that not all babies are cute.
1: I've never seen an ugly baby in real life, but I guess I have seen them on online online. Okay. So I've never been in a situation where someone's like, look at my child. I mean, most of the time when people in my life are like, look at my child, I would say, yeah, the child is not ugly. So.
0: (laughs) Okay. I don't think it's a case of oh, this particular baby's really, really ugly. And this one's cuter. This one's better looking. I think that babies are babies, especially when they're newborns. They're all going to look similar. They're just going to be these little scrunched up blobs. There is a certain stage. I think that a baby starts to look like what they're going to look like. But before that, I think they're just babies. And I, I don't think it's fair or right to say this is an ugly baby.
1: You're right. It's kind of impossible to say, to make a judgment of what the child will blossom into because all babies kind of look very similar. Generally speaking, just overall, do you think babies are cute?
0: I think babies are cute until they start crying or they shit themselves.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I look, I'm not a huge fan of children in general.
0: Yes, we know, Michelle.
1: Motherhood is not something I think of or intend to pursue, but I can see the appeal of a child. (laughs) So even the way I speak of children is weird, but (laughs) I can see the appeal of one when they're clean and they're happy. Any other time, no.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. But especially when they start to get a bit older and they have a personality, you can then start to bully them as well, which is what I did with my nephews. So that's always fun.
1: What? (laughs) Yeah, I can't speak on that, but... (laughs)
0: You just purposely say things to them that you know will annoy them, basically. Uh, Isn't that the whole point of having nieces and nephews?
1: I don't know. I never really spoke to my <laughs> sure. I was always one of the youngest ones. So... Fair point. I really can't get on board with talking to children until they get to a certain age where they can start having adult conversations.
0: Until they can match your intellectual level, you refuse to speak with them.
1: I just can't. Oh, so how's school? What did you do today? Are you liking soccer? Yeah. I struggle with small talk with adults, but with children, it's even harder because, I don't know, I struggle with it more. Fair enough. This is probably an unpopular opinion. Children, I hear, are quite enjoyable to most
0: They're trending.
1: Feels like everyone's having them.
0: Okay, so... I don't care that big tech companies and the government are tracking me.
1: They're probably tracking us right now.
0: Um, Okay, Julia Gillard, if you can hear me right now. I don't know. I feel two ways about this because people would always say, why would you have a Facebook page? Why would you put any information on there and those kinds of things? But I don't think it's a massive deal that this company has this information. But what I didn't like was when I felt like that information was being used to determine what should be targeted towards me, what companies should be advertising to me. I just thought, you know what? Not interested.
1: And I feel like advertising is primarily what they use the data for. Yeah. For me, I try and be somewhat careful with social media, but I know that in the end, all these companies probably have a whole bunch of information on me anyway. Look, I'm not going to say I don't care. I do care. Yeah. But I think what capacity do I have to do anything about it? Yes, you can try and delete your internet footprint, but then that's kind of like replacing one problem with living a life of anxiety where you just don't engage with social media at all. And that's pretty tricky to do this day and age to be completely off the internet.
0: Off the grid. Yeah. Mm. I do think in a way it's kind of inevitable anyway. Yeah. It's going to happen one way or another.
1: It's really up to legislators to stop this problem. And I don't know if they will. So love
0: that. Love that for all of us. All right. So I like it when people forget my name. I don't know. How do you feel about this?
1: I get why someone would feel compelled to post this. Okay. Because I don't know if I necessarily agree in full. I sometimes get offended when people forget my name. It's like, how can you forget my name? We've met like five times.
0: How dare they? But
1: there are other times where I get a certain little bit of joy out of watching someone awkwardly squirm. Because it's usually me that's awkwardly squirming. So it's nice to see it happen to someone else from time to time. Sure. This happened a lot in uni as well. I would introduce them, Oh, hi, Jake. Nice to see you. And they'd be like, Oh Oh, um, hey, it's pretty funny. There was a time where I did get a little offended because someone, I'd met this person literally five times and every time I would just go along with it because agreeable me doesn't want to cause conflict. So I just like, oh yes, I'm Michelle. Nice to meet you. you have never met before, but whatever. And then on the fifth time I was like, this is getting ridiculous, mate sure you know what i did i said oh we've met before i felt bad for doing it but also a little bit of guilty pleasure you could say
0: oh okay
1: he was really thrown off by that because obviously no one had ever called him out on it i guess if someone that i had no memory of was just suddenly oh we've met like multiple times i guess i'd be like, oh i'm so sorry maybe i just apologize and leave it at that but this guy felt the need to start listing up all the excuses of why he forgot who i was i was just like oh my okay. god
0: I would definitely feel embarrassed if that happened to me. And then I'd also be concerned why I'm not remembering this person I've met five times.
1: It doesn't happen to me. I might forget a name, but I wouldn't forget someone entirely. Mm. I feel like I'm all right with names, but I definitely remember faces.
0: I don't have a problem whether someone remembers my name or not. But I mean, yeah, I would be a bit taken aback if I've met someone several times and they have no recollection. It's definitely not a situation that I've been in many times anyway, so I don't have a real opinion on that. But what I don't like is when people decide that they can give me a nickname, especially if like we're not close or we're not friends and they just call me by a nickname and I think, where did this come from? But having said that, if someone was to ask me and say, do you mind if I call you this? I'm very easy with that. And I'll say I have zero problem with that. I think it's more when it happens out of nowhere. I just feel like, where did this come from?
1: A woman I used to work with one day was just like, can I call you Shelly? What did you say? I said, all right. I'm pretty sure I said it was okay. Okay. I like to think she asked before she started doing it, but she would be the only one that would actually refer to me as Shelley, and it kind of became our thing.
0: Well, it's nice that she asked. Okay. This is something that I definitely have an opinion on. So the unpopular opinion is that being a picky eater is not a bad thing. I think it's seen as a negative thing. And if someone's a picky eater, they're too fussy, but I think it's okay I am picky with certain things that I'd like to eat or don't like to eat. Sometimes I'll be in the mood to have something that other times I won't. And I think that's okay. As long as it's not causing a problem for anyone, I don't think that it matters. My preferences are my preferences and it shouldn't affect someone else.
1: As long as you're having a balanced diet, I would say that that's the more important thing, which I don't. I don't eat <laughs> healthy at all. But Fair I would say that that's more important than being someone that will eat anything and will try all different kinds of food. It's 100% fine to stick in your own lane. Life is too short to start eating foods that you don't like just to appease other people. Yeah. You should try and be healthy. I guess that's the medical advice. But judging someone just because they aren't as adventurous with the foods they eat, I think it's stupid.
0: Yeah. And also there is such thing as a super taster. So a super taster is someone who experiences the sense of taste with far greater intensity than average. And there are studies that do show also an increased sensitivity to bitter tastes. So someone who is quite selective with what they eat, they may just be a super taster. And there are tests that you can actually do to find out if you are a super taster. And this is something that I've thought about, Michelle.
1: Actually, this reminds me because my grandmother, she never could taste coriander. And I remember once many, many years ago being out to dinner with her and she was eating the coriander. She said that she couldn't really taste it. And then everyone was like, what? You can't taste coriander. It has such a strong taste. I was just like, what do you mean? Coriander has no taste. I would not associate any taste in my head with coriander. I always, it's nothing to me. It's like lettuce. I don't know if you're like this too, But apparently coriander is supposedly very strong and I had no idea. And I think it is a genetic thing. Like it's some people just the taste buds are different or more sensitive or whatever.
0: I have heard that genetically some people will taste coriander as soap which is not something that I've experienced. I definitely get a strong taste from it, which is why I don't like eating coriander. Some people love it, but to me it does feel quite strong and I definitely feel like it ruins the flavour of a dish or whatever I'm eating.
1: And that's really interesting to me, but I feel like just in general, trying to force someone to like something that they don't like, you're very rarely going to have success. Like trying to make someone like coriander or mushrooms or tomato, whatever it is, you're probably going to have more luck trying to get them to like a different style or genre of music people just don't go around suddenly reinventing what music they like just because someone said oh but you should get into hip-hop like i'll never like hip-hop
0: that's right michelle eggs are gross mushrooms are gross the tiniest amount of garlic in anything is way too much and the new abba singles are actually good i didn't care what anyone says but anyway i've gone off on a tangent michelle
1: we've done that like five times i feel like this episode so that's fine
0: yet again <laughs> all right so we're gonna wrap up in a moment but before we do here's a word from our sponsor. In a world of injustice, no one can be trusted. Underdogs in constant peril, unfairness reigns supreme. But now, that's all about to change. A new era dawns, one woman will rise and fight against the establishment. One manager at a time. From the creators of the Blair Witch Project, a new adventure is about to begin. The Blair B Project in cinemas at some point after lockdown, I guess. Who knows? Okay, Michelle, do you remember what we've talked about today?
1: I literally... This happens every time, especially when we have one of these episodes where we cover so many topics. I get to the end and I have no idea about anything I just said. So good luck wrapping up. It's all on you.
0: (laughs) Okay, Michelle, it doesn't matter how much cereal we put in our milk. At the end of the day, Michelle, I'm human. You're human.
1: Uh, No, I'm not. You take that back.
0: Sorry, Michelle. No judgment whether you make your bed or you don't make your bed. It's your choice. If you want to lie in your own filth, that's on you. Ha ha ha. Lol. Yes, I am laughing at my own joke.
1: Oh God, it's my turn to talk now. Guilty pleasures are good. Birthday cakes are all right. Rebecca Black's Friday is a catchy song. And that's all I can remember.
0: Sure. And not all babies are cute or are they? The point is Melissa, I mean Michelle.
1: Ah, that's my Kate laugh.
0: Wow, okay. Those are our opinions and that's okay because they don't have to be yours.
1: But they should be. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) This has been Good Chat.
1: Good Chat.